Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1233 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott here, Cody Jansen alongside. You know the show where guests receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a, a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. I promised we'd go around the NHL and get some thoughts on the various headlines that have matriculated over the course of this week. Couple out of Edmonton here, so we'll go to our headliner today for some thoughts. That is uh, David Panyota from the fourth period. Our Oilers now headliner brought to you by Wilhawk beef jerky might just be the best you've ever tasted. Search for W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. David, you've got Brendan here on the line. How's it going today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, the pleasure is all ours. So editor-in-chief of the fourth period dialed in to the NHL, and with that, we'll drop the puck, I think, appropriately with the Darnell Nurse extension here in Edmonton. It looks like uh, Kenny Holland sort of got the back end of this roster shored up, at least as uh, things have played out with Cuckoo as well. But from uh, your perspective, Dave, how was uh, how did that price point slide in along with the rest of what's gone on here? Does it make sense for Edmonton to have locked up their guy? Yeah, well, absolutely it does. And, and you know, I understand that the immediate number looks uh, pretty significant. Um, and, and obviously, nine and a quarter million bucks a season is. Um, but the way that the marketplace and the landscape of, of the defensive market in the NHL for guys under 26 or 26 and under, really, it's changed. And you're not only now paying for what the player is capable of doing now, you're also paying for what the potential is and what you feel the player is going to evolve into further. I mean, we, we've seen it with Merrill Heiskanen. We've seen it with Kale McCarr, Thomas Shabbat, um, a bunch of others that have that have really stepped in. You, of course, Jones and Wierenski as well. So you look at Darnell Nurse and you look at what he's capable of at 26 and what they believe he will become just really entering his prime. Uh, this is a move that the Oilers were obviously comfortable making, but one that I think wanted to go long-term with it. The longer the term you go, the higher the AAV, and that's why we're at nine and a quarter. But, I mean, you know, if, if he reaches the potential that, of course, the Oilers especially believe that he can hit, and he's betting on himself as well, uh, you're going to see in a few years this is going to be a pretty solid deal, especially once we start seeing the salary cap start to increase do you believe that there's still such thing as an Edmonton tax or are we at the stage now where because you're playing with a team that is on an upward trajectory with two of the best players in the world and now you're looking and seeing quite a few uh, players really committing and buying into that sort of thing but 
because of the market and what we know it to be. Do you still think that there's some element of that for an unrestricted free agent? The, you know, that, that Edmonton tax you're talking about, it was the same thing. I'm in Toronto. It was the same thing here. There was a Toronto tax. There was a Montreal tax. There's a New York tax. There, it, when the teams aren't doing well, these players don't want to be there. So it doesn't matter the marketplace. It, it, it really comes down to are these teams positioned to start competing for a Stanley Cup? And that's really what it comes down to. You know, look, we, we all know Edmonton may not be as flashy as L.A. or Chicago or, or what have you. And there are other markets even in the States that aren't as, you know, as, as attractive, quote unquote, from a lifestyle perspective as Fort Lauderdale or wherever else. But you go to these places to win. And this is what the marketplace is now becoming in Edmonton with the additions that have been made this offseason, shoring up the the depth of this team really structuring the blue line to to help out the goaltending the addition of duncan keith and others over the course of this offseason players are recognizing the oilers as okay yeah they've got mcdavid and dreisaitl but at the same time yep now they're starting to take that upward swing and deepen the roster further and it looks like this is a team that's ready to legitimately start competing for a stanley cup so you know, we're going to see, and obviously it's early, and they've got some young pieces as well that are going to be part of this mix. But that, that quote-unquote tax, that applies to every market. I, again, I'm in Toronto. For years, this team was absolute junk. And, you know, it's not sugarcoat. And I've talked to players around the league at that time. Would you ever consider playing here? Maybe if they start to go on that upward swing. That, then – the tide has changed. It's the same thing that's happened with the Oilers and, and with a lot of teams around the league. Chatting with the editor-in-chief of the fourth period, Dave Panyota, here on Oilers Now. So let's just back out the scope. You've kind of touched on it there, but the, lar- the larger body of work by GM Ken Holland this offseason, you talk about adding Hyman, who's a player you'd be very familiar with. Love to get mm-hmm. some thoughts on him, but, you know, they went uh, above and beyond and they shipped Ethan Bear down to Carolina, picked up Warren Fogle, addressing the forward depth versus, you know, maybe trading from a position of longer term depth in the sense that Broberg and Samarukov and Bouchard are, are ready to come up through the system not too far away but it's a very different looking team I think uh, certainly in the bottom six Dave and I'd love your thoughts on overall how Ken Holland has sort of tinkered this offseason well yeah and, and the quality of depth that, that's really what it comes down to the addition of Fogel you bring in Derek Ryan who's solid with, from a fourth line perspective good two way guy um, you add these other elements to really shore up the bottom six, and you look at all, all these teams that have competed and captured a Stanley Cup over the years, it comes down to not only what you can do with your you know, first or second line. If those guys get shut down, what else can you bring to the table? And it really comes down to your bottom six, your third and fourth lines that can contribute, especially come playoff time. So to be able to be in a position to have additional assets that are going out there that can compete, that can put the puck in the net, that can shut down the opposition. All of these intangibles come into play, especially when it counts the most once you hit game 83 of a season. So, and thankfully we're, we're back to that, to a full 82. Um, so once the playoffs roll around, you'll want those types of, of assets. And with respect to Hyman, like this is a guy that here in Toronto was not only able to play alongside uh, you know, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, but he built chemistry with those guys to be able to go into an environment that has similar caliber player, well, players, I guess, with, with Leon and with, with Connor, mm-hmm. 
uh, I mean, it should be a seamless transition. It, uh, obviously, different type of caliber of player. And Connor's one of the best, if not the best player in the NHL. But if you're going into that situation, you want to be able to bring in a guy on the left side that can keep up with that level of talent. And he proved he can do it in Toronto. I think this was a great ad for the Edmonton Oilers. And whether it was seven years or, or five years or whatever, it doesn't matter. He's going to be there for a while because the Oilers believe they can keep the unit intact to keep them in competition for a cup year after year. Chatting with Dave Panyota right now, and uh, goaltending might be the last point of contention here for this Oilers team as they weren't really able to capitalize on what ultimately ended up being a fast-moving and unpredictable goaltending carousel as uh, Grubauer, you know, the market was really upset by that whole move right there. I believe the Oilers were deeply interested and involved on acquiring Darcy Kemper, and I don't know whether that is something that they can completely write off at this point i don't know that kemper next offseason is going to get the you know the aav in colorado that he could elsewhere then i look at the situation in columbus and how that's changed uh, in recent months so what uh, what do you make of the team maybe even starting the season returning the same goaltending duo and how that could ultimately end up i guess being addressed later on yeah, well, I mean, obviously looking at it now, it's it's Mike Smith's net. And, you know, you, you commit to him for the next couple of seasons. Um, it, it's clear that he's going to carry the bulk of the duties, whether Koskinen is is going to be able to compete for that. Well, we'll obviously wait and see because it's going to be up to it's going to be up to him. Um, but it wouldn't certainly surprise me if Kenny Holland is still out there looking to see what type of marketplace there is from a goalie perspective. Corpus Allo is still a player that, well, the Blue Jackets have said, unless you make a, you know, a really good offer, we're going to hold on to our duo there with him and Merzlikens. But it certainly looks like they're willing to, to explore conversations still with respect to, to Jonas Corpusalo. So, I mean, he could still be an asset that they could look at. They've had interest before. They've had conversations with Jarmo Kekalainen, Columbus's GM, in the past. But outside of that, You've got to kind of see where things go, and I think at this stage, you go to you, you wait until you get to training camp, you see how the guys are, you see how everybody's performing, and if you feel like you've got to go a different route, at the very least from a, a, a an improved backup position or or what have you, if Koskinen doesn't look like he's back into it, then you start to explore the marketplace a little bit more. Corpusalo would probably be a guy that comes in. He's on an expiring contract. He's a UFA after this coming season. So you look to him uh, as, as a potential long-term fit, but you're not making that acquisition unless there's an extension acquired uh, associated with it. So we'll see what they have. But I think for now, unless something falls into their lap, they're going to roll with these two guys going into camp and then decide what route they really want to take. Dave, you've been pretty uh, vocal on Twitter just about how Seattle's expansion draft has gone and some thoughts on that. And the way that the team was built, maybe more so through free agency than the actual draft itself, particularly when you compare it to, to how Vegas went about their business. Um, thoughts on the Kraken and I guess the fact that they were able to snatch up Grubauer and sort of start the domino effect on the goaltending market in the first place. Yeah, well, they they certainly did. And this is a team that's you know, built from the back end out. You look at their defensive core, obviously Larson is there, and, and you've got Giordano and Vince Dunn. Um, Alexiak, I mean, that top four right there is, is it's pretty good. Uh, so they've got, they've got a really sound defense. I, I'm still wondering if they're going to end up moving anybody because they've got about eight or nine NHL-caliber defensemen that could play within a top six just about on any team in the league. So, you know, I'm curious to see what they do there. But 
between that defensive core with the addition of Grubauer, um, you know, having a, a really sound duo in net as well. We'll see exactly what they end up doing, but I, I like the way this team is built. They want it to be a physical, tough team to play against from a defensive perspective. They've done that, and now it really is going to come down to can they put the puck in the net. Now, they obviously, they add Jaden Schwartz. They add Alex Wenberg, who had a pretty good recovery season with Florida. Uh, they've got, you know, Jordan Eberle, another guy you guys are certainly familiar with. So <laughs> they've, got, they've got some good sound pieces. Now, are some of the other guys going to evolve in the manner in which, you know, some guys on Vegas evolved? Are, are we going to see a... a you know, O'Reilly. Are we going to see a Carlson that are going to emerge? Um, Riley Smith, excuse me, that are going to emerge with this team. I mean, obviously we'll wait and see, but they want it to be a tough team to play against, defensively structured. They've done that. Now it's really a matter of who's going to step up from an offensive perspective because Berniers is going to be their, their first-round pick, second overall. He's going back to Michigan. They're going to wait and be patient with him. So we'll see exactly how they can drum up uh, some consistent offense, but they've got a full 82 games to do it. The uh, team to the north of them, as we chat with the editor-in-chief of uh, the fourth period, Dave Panyota here on Oilers Now. The team to the north of them looks very different than they did last year. The Vancouver Canucks turning over most of their defense. Now the longest tenured defender in Vancouver is actually Quinn Hughes, who, by the way, needs a contract next year. But Vancouver's <laughs> new-look team, it's awfully interesting. Curious for your thoughts on, on sort of the direction of the Canucks and really what Jim Benning was able to do in overhauling some of what I would call pre previous mistakes and some of those uh, uglier contracts, getting them all out of town and taking on a lot in Ekman Larson, but a player that I think makes a lot of sense for that team. Yeah, so do I. And, and the addition of Connor Garland along with OEL really stabilizes their top six. This was a player in Garland that they had a lot of interest in for a while. This was, just, you know, they wanted to bring in somebody that can play either the left or right side, which is what he can do. Primarily, probably on the right side. He's a right shot, but um, he can play either wing. They wanted to really stabilize their top six and be able to strengthen their bottom core. And that's what—that's effectively what they've done. Now, from a defensive perspective, I'm with you. I think Oliver ekman Larson is going to rebound and uh, kind of get back to that player he was a few years ago. The last couple of seasons were not easy for him. Uh, especially when it became clear that the writing was on the wall, that this team was taking a different direction uh, after he committed to them for eight years. So, you know, he goes into an environment that he wanted to be in in the first place, going back to last season. The, the additional changes they made on the defense stabilizes them. They bring in Yarrow Halak to back up Demko, which I think is a great move for that team as well. Again, another club that's kind of stabilizing from the back end out, but also a club that's got the offensive threats up front and now definitely within their within their top six and yeah like you mentioned in that trade they were able to shed the contracts and the mistakes that were there from the past you know a few years but it obviously comes with a price if oel doesn't work out but i i think a lot of people are confident it will um so right now it's it's you know deeper team stronger team and can they get Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes locked in to favorable contracts. Those conversations picked up a little bit this week. Um, I don't think we're there just yet. We are probably looking at a short-term deal for both of these guys, that quote-unquote bridge deal, before they really, really cash in 
on their mega contracts, which they're certainly, you know, they keep it up. They're definitely going to get it. Without a doubt. And I was certainly caught off guard a little bit by the nature of the comments in that Swedish publication earlier this week by Elias Pettersson. And, you know, sounding like, yeah, I want to play in Vancouver, but only if they're going to be a winning hockey team. And I'm thinking, okay, but they aren't a winning hockey team unless you're <laughs> a part of it. So where where is the give here? And I think that bringing the Sedins into the fold and just having that seemingly ever-present Swedish uh, friendly environment out there in Vancouver and then you bring in OEL as well it looks like the team is doing everything they can to keep this young superstar happy and uh, you got to figure that this deal is going to get done probably before the season starts yeah I would I would think so and I think you know the way that I viewed that those comments that he made were more so just reiterating the fact that he is a he's a competitor he wants to win he loves Vancouver he loves the marketplace he really loves being there. I know that firsthand, but obviously he, he certainly wants to win. And I think he understands the trajectory that they're on. Um, and he just kind of was saying, look, if, if all of a sudden this team decides that they want to go in a different direction, uh, then, you know, it's going to be a little problematic. I get that. I don't think that was, I don't think it was a threat per se. I think it was just emphasizing the type of competitor that he is. And he's ready now after three years in the NHL to, take that next step forward with the Canucks and start getting them into contender status. I, I agree. I think this contract will get done at some point this off season before we start the season, probably before we get to camp, maybe around that time frame. Uh, but like I said, conversations are good. They're fluid. Um, they're not as uh, I'd say there's, there's no rush still from this side of things. Cause we basically have a little over a month before or around a month, I guess by the time camps get going, but I think both sides are confident they'll get a deal done. It's just, is it going to be short or long? It, it, as I mentioned, it's trending towards a, a two, three-year deal. He's proven a lot more in the NHL than uh, Kirill Kaprizov has to this point, and yet we've got the reigning Calder Trophy winner mulling options, one between a $10 million a year deal reported to play in Russia for Seska Moscow, or we heard from Pat Micheletti earlier this week on the show, Dave, that he may have turned down somewhere in the in the realm of eight years by nine million per for a guy that only has played about 50 NHL games and he still wasn't sold on that kind of money. What do you have insight-wise into the uh, Kirill Kaprizov situation in Minnesota? Well, he, he's banking on himself, um, or betting on himself, rather. He feels that, you know, he's going to be able to be a player that can hit that number, those levels, and increase his offensive outburst uh, as the years progress. So does it make more sense, does it make more sense, excuse me, for him to go short-term and then in, let's say, two, three seasons, look at a long-term extension at 10, 11 million bucks per year? Uh, that's, that seems to be the mindset from his camp in, in the direction they're going. Uh, you know, look, he, he wants to be in the NHL. He's, he's made that abundantly clear. Uh, I know all the Siska Moscow stuff is, is there, and that's kind of his fallback, but he wants to be on this side of the pond. And um, I think the, the Wild understand that. They, they just got to get to a point of, of where, where, where do the numbers make sense. And I, I, as I mentioned, I think you're probably looking at a shorter-term deal at this stage, maybe around similar numbers. Um, and then, again – if he's going to compete the way he had in his rookie season in the NHL and get that much better, um, you know, we could see this guy be a consistent 90-point guy in the next few seasons, maybe more. If he gets to those numbers, he's probably looking at 11-plus, and by that time, the cap's going up uh, in, in three or four seasons. So, you know, you, you take that into consideration as well. 
Um, it's a business side from the team perspective, but it's also a business side for the player side of things too. I don't have any problem with the strategy. He'll get his deal done. He'll be in Minnesota next season or this coming season. One more to wrap with you as we uh, are concluding a conversation here with the editor-in-chief of the fourth period, Dave Panyota, and that is uh, a similar question regarding Brady Kachuk and his restricted free agency. I imagine the yep. appeal there is to, as you've sort of said, bridge the deal, and then uh, when he's you know, completed a couple of years here and the cap goes up again, I, I think that's where he's looking to cash in. But still no deal for Brady yet. I imagine similar philosophies on that end to what you just described about Kaprizov. Yeah, it certainly it certainly seems that way. The, the the marketplace from the forward core, young forward core versus the defensemen out there is a little bit different, um, as we've seen with with you know the guys coming out of their entry level deals and signing the mega deals um, right out of the gate. It seems to be a little different from the forward perspective. You go small, prove yourself that you can do this consistently. And then you cash in on your big eight-year mega deal. And it sounds like that's the direction that Brady Kachuk and the Sens are going. Uh, we'll see. You know, I, I haven't heard anything pressing to this point. I tried to connect with his agent the other day, actually, about that. And said, you know, feel free to let me know if there's any progress. And he goes, yep, I'll get there. But we're not there just yet. <laughs> so uh, we'll see exactly how they, how they kind of get those conversations going. But we're in August. It's similar to Elias Pettersson's situation. Nothing pressing at the moment. I think both sides are comfortable uh, in what the options are going to be. It's just a matter of, all right, when do we get really serious about this? Maybe it's once the calendar hits September and everybody's ready for camp. But I suspect, you know, that they've spoken both both sides, both short-term and long-term, just like Pedersen in, in Vancouver. But I think this one is also trending in a short-term direction. And I think everybody's comfortable with that because it still gives the Senators control uh, if you're looking at a two- or three-year deal for Brady Kachuk, he'll still be a restricted free agent once his deal wraps up. Dave, this was a lot of fun. Appreciate you taking the time this afternoon. Enjoy the rest of the summer, hey? You got it. Thanks so much for having me. That is Dave Panyota, the editor-in-chief of The Fourth Period. He's available on Twitter, at The Fourth Period, and you can find that website. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. as well just by googling the fourth period it is 12 54 in edmonton quick time out on oilers now back in a minute 56 here in Edmonton uh, all around the league we went there with Dave Fagnota that was a, a great conversation not one that I feel like I need a holiday from at all 
But if you need a holiday, New West Travel has a special VIP trip to Vancouver. You can take a loved one and join New West Travel on a three-night getaway to spectacular Vancouver, BC. You can watch OEL play, maybe Pedersen if he gets that deal signed. Package includes airfare and uh, a private WestJet charter with complimentary open bars and, and bar and meals. Uh, departing from private terminals, three nights in a deluxe four-star hotel, all for just $699. You can check out Stanley Park, hit the beach, shop, or maybe dine in the beautiful waterfront city. You need a vacation this September. Space is limited, though, so call New West Travel or go online to newwesttravel.com. Couple textures here at 780-496-0063, raising red flags about Jonas Corposalo. Now, let me say this. They're pretty even uh, goaltenders in Columbus, but I do think that Elvis Merzlichkins has the slight edge as far as being a, a better, maybe a higher ceiling if you want to look at it that way. But for that reason, if I'm Columbus, he's probably the guy I then keep of the two. And I don't know that they're hoping to offload one. I don't know that the Oilers are willing to offload any kind of draft capital in order to get Corpusalo here. But I think, Cody, that we're at a point with this team where, you know, a move maybe for if there's an injury, if there's an injury to Mike Smith or if the numbers aren't there because that was pretty spectacular what he did, I think he can do it again, but I don't know that then you need to have an option in your back pocket. And maybe that is Corpus Allo. I think where Corpus Allo really, you know, ran onto the scene was in the bubble, right? You know, he had that series against Tampa Bay. I think he had a 941 save percentage in those playoffs. Something crazy where he really just popped off. And that's why his name's in the back of everyone's head. Yes, I, I do like that Merzlikens in Columbus as well. You know, I think he does have a lot of potential. But again, I, I think that Corpus Salo, his deal runs out this year, if I remember correctly. So there is interest in maybe if he does have a good year, you can get him signed for four or five years. Could be your goalie of the future. Well, and that's the thing, right? As he's 27 years old now, he's coming off a year in which, yeah, he had an 894 save percentage, but he has had seasons in the NHL, for example, 2019, 2020, where he had a 911 save percentage. And that's more where you sort of want to see your goaltender at the very least. Columbus was not a great hockey team last year. So save percentage comes down to a team stat in some regards. Absolutely. Uh, I completely agree. And goals against average even more so. Um, There's going to be an element of risk in every acquisition you make. The question is, do you feel more at risk returning you know, uh, the same guys that you had, a veteran duo, one of the more veteran duos in the league, or do you want to see if you can upgrade that now if you believe that's the difference between a Stanley Cup run or not? And maybe that is one of those things that we need to see play out over the course of the season. Don't be so quick to forget, and I know it's a little harder to get done, but there is also a trade deadline. Not everything had to happen at the same time this offseason. Anyway, we're going to switch focus uh, coming up after the one o'clock news. We will hear from the voice of the Edmonton Elks here on 630. Chad Morley Scott talking about what went wrong last week, how they can improve upon it this week as the Montreal Alouettes come to town on Saturday. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Brendan Escott, Cody Jansen back on the other side. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.